what do you want to da da da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da da da? Well, what did we da yesterday? Hmm, yesterday. All the dolls feel like the same doll these dolls. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. Oh no, I forgot to call my mom on her birthday. Oh no! No! These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. That won't change. Not to da or any da. Quote to da at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production. Brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, I'm Dhamini and I'm the host of Gender Question. In this season, I'll be getting up close and personal on issues that really matter. Our gender and sexuality that are so central to who we are. Uthe kirtiya uthive Uthane da vela Jad vahari di puttive मेरा नाम अमनदीप कौर खेवा है मैं पंजाब के फ्री माई नेम इज अमनदीप कौर खेवा I belong to Faridkot Punjab my village is 5 kilometers away Nawakela and I'm doing my MA in Punjabi MA in Punjabi 2 saal se Youth for Swaraj for the past 2 years I've been a part of Youth for Swaraj which is the youth front of Swaraj abhiyan I've been here with other student members since November 26th first I was at Tikri and since December 2nd I have been at Singhu border pehle main Tikri border pe thi अमनदीप in the go down somewhere along the kundli road we did not speak much about the protests we spoke about the farm laws that she along with her university mates have come to register their protest about amandeep is herself the daughter of a farmer so when we asked her how the laws would affect women in particular this is what she had to say फील्ड The women who work as agricultural laborers don't typically migrate to the towns. Ya unke ghar ke aur chote chote kaam kheton mein chote chote jo kaam hote hain unko karne ke liye jo labor class hai Punjab ke gaon ki wo sab isse jude hue hain aur jo labor class mein aur if the landlords are themselves not sure that their crop will sell or not 
When those people are so unsure of their income, who will they employ? Women will lose their employment. Over the past two months, farmers across the country have been protesting against the three laws that were passed in September 2020. They are a the Farmers Produce Trade and Commerce Promotion and Facilitation Act, b the Farmers Empowerment and Protection Agreement of Price Assurance and Farm Services Act, and c the Essential Commodities Amendment Act. Braving the Delhi winter and rains, thousands of farmers have been camping out on its borders and they were recently joined by several more. Their main demand has been to repeal these laws because they fear that it would lead to a corporatization of the agricultural sector. They've also asked for an assurance of a minimum support price for crops. The government in turn has said that these laws are reformist in intent and they give expanded market access and provide greater flexibility to the farmers and thus pave the way for both economical as well as ecologically sustainable farming. Of course, there have been groups of farmers from around the country that have supported these laws too. So, it's pretty clear that when we talk about the farming community and their needs, it isn't just one homogenous whole. Farmers include cultivators, agricultural workers, poultry and livestock rearers, sharecroppers and tenants, and even Adivasi persons who use and sell minor and non-timber forest produce. What's more, farmers are not just men. Farmers are girls and women too. And yes, many other gender non-binary identities. So, it stands to reason that the laws stand to affect different farmers differently. I want to speak about the three farm laws. When we study the farm laws, we realize that storage is a major issue. Will our farmers be able to access storage facilities? Right now, we are taking loans just to do farming and we work hard, face difficulties and deal with the consequences. That was Krishna Bai Karle, a farmer who spoke at the protest about her apprehensions surrounding the farm laws in Pune recently. To understand the laws and their impact on farmers, and women specifically, we reached out to Mahila Kisan Andolan Manch, or Makam, which is an alliance of women farmers, academicians, NGOs, etc. There are several apprehensions that Makam has raised, which can broadly be grouped under two or three issues. One, structural issues. Things like you need to be a landowner to access welfare schemes. And a majority of land is not owned by the woman, but by the man of the house. Now, why is this important specifically for women? In India, 73.2% of rural women are engaged in agriculture, but only 12.8% women have land holdings, according to government data. 81% of the women agricultural workers are from Dalit 
and Adivasi communities, and they work as landless labourers. The farm laws do not address this issue of land ownership. Two, the provisions in the law don't benefit women. For example, the laws open the market, allow the setting up of new trade areas outside of the mandi system to cut out the middleman so that the farmer can trade directly with buyers. Technically, a farmer could sell to any buyer anywhere in the country. How would small and marginal farmers like themselves do that? Women ask. This would not only mean that they would have the money to transport and store their crops, but that social norms would have suddenly changed overnight and free movement of women would have become a sudden reality. 3. A minimum support price needs to be legalized, as that would help women farmers or farmer-producer organizations run by women, which is basically collectives that help women bargain from a place of strength. So, a minimum support price would help FPOs or women farmers to firm up their negotiation power with traders and buyers, especially if they might end up being large corporations. So, these are like three of the main issues that Makam has essentially brought up. Now, there are, of course, several others. But the main demand that women farmers have is that the government needs to take their existing vulnerabilities into account and help them overcome that rather than create new ones for them, which, according to a lot of the women farmers associated with Makam, that is what these laws are doing. In short, women farmers need the reforms that they require. So, essentially give them the reforms that they need. That's the big ask. Seema Kulkarni, a national facilitator of Makam, offered some specific examples of what these vulnerabilities look like. So, in a way, uh, women farmers, particularly uh, single women farmers who are not otherwise able to reach uh, those mandis, uh, are uh, benefiting from this ecosystem much as it is exploitative. So, let me be very clear here that we are not talking about eulogizing the present system. We definitely say that small and marginal farmers, for women farmers, there has to be reform, there has to be a more fair system uh, where produce is actually purchased at the farm gate and at uh, absolutely guaranteed uh, support prices. A lot of women uh, farmers are largely marginal or smallholders. So uh, they are not only cultivating, you know, it's, uh, they, they have a very diverse livelihood basket. So you would find them, lab, you know, laboring, either migrating to other places and doing agricultural labor or within their own villages also engaged in labor. So in a way, if, you know, the entire system crashes and if the farmers, uh, you know, who are trying to sell the produce is not able to, uh, in fact, get the rightful price, it is definitely going to impact uh, the wage work as well. Farmers' Bill is a golden opportunity to initiate a conversation around land reforms and land rights, especially for Dalits, women, trans, and other marginalized groups. Last month, I came across a Twitter thread by gender and anti-caste activist Jyotsna Siddharth, who works in an organization that leads efforts of inclusion and diversity in various companies. That tweet thread that eventually became viral brought out a very important perspective. So. It basically helped take a step back and, you know, expand the conversation. 
So I got on a call with Jyotsna and asked them to elaborate what they meant. The essential question here is the question of land, land ownership and land rights. Close to a decade ago, Jyotsna did some work examining the existence of bonded labour for a report. What they found was that despite a law that criminalised bonded labour, it was still very much rampant. So they said that talking about farm laws therefore required a step back to examine the casteist feudal structures that agricultural communities live within and how reform must be an essential part of the conversation but to talk about reform, you needed to talk about this casteist feudal system of labour. Bonded labour is actually, um, it runs in the family, right? So if I'm a landlord and I buy off someone, um, which doesn't mean that I buy a person, it means that I buy the right to uh, the labour of generations that are to come. So... I pay an amount to a laborer, but then I'm entitled to the generations of that labor. Uh, so which means that his son and his, their sons and, and so on and so forth. So it is extremely, I, I don't see this as just bonded labor, right? This is, this is slavery. This is slavery, which is absolutely rampant in India in different parts of the country. And we don't talk about it simply because we don't talk about caste. And we don't talk about caste discrimination. Again, what Ambedkar said that the social reforms have to uh, sort of um, be the starting point and then the economic reforms should follow. And I think what they were saying was that we don't have a society which is equal. Our society is uh, divided into so many gradations that when you talk about economic achievement or progress, um, the result of it would only sort of remain on a very superficial level. It will never reach to the poor of the poorest um, of all caste, class, religions that they belong to, right? Right. Now, as you may have guessed, the issues around the laws and the issues facing the farmer today are like two intersecting sets. So I wondered whether there was any other paradigm I don't know, which was possibly incorporating already a lot of these reforms and whether this paradigm was already being used somewhere in the country. Was somebody already doing this? That's when I came to know about Purvi Vyas, an organic farmer in Gujarat who doesn't sell her produce to the market. Instead, she employs the barter system with farmers of different geographic locations and for the agricultural workers, the women who work on her farm, she actually pays them by selling the milk from her farm to the Amul Cooperative. So, Purvi actually has been working on a completely very different and alternative system for the past uh, 15 years. This is what she has to say about how she does it. So when I started farming, I started talking to a lot of older generation of the community because I was reading about the Green Revolution then. Um, and so I was trying to find out from them what are the systems of agriculture they followed, what were the different practices, what were the crops they were growing. And so one of the things that I understood was that all of them were doing multiple crops and all of them were doing a variety of things um, that sustained them um, you know, as a family, but whatever extra they had or whatever skill they had was exchanged for other things. 
And so I wanted to experiment to see how that worked. And it's land. So, you know, I would have to go into monoculture to be able to get a substantial price, whatever, of monoculture to a certain extent, and which was not something I was interested in doing. A barter somehow fell into my lap with this young man offering to take papayas off my hand to sell them. And then he said, well, you know, I can take your papayas and, you know, why don't I give you apples? Because you can't grow apples here in return. And I was like, why not? And that sounded really interesting. And we tried and it worked really well. Um, you know, we would get pineapples and apples and, you know, all these different fruits from outside, which we can't grow them regionally. It, it, I had a lot of milk as a result of having a lot of milch animals. And so we have a dairy here, a mole dairy that we give, uh, you know, milk to. And a couple of neighbors said that, you know, would you mind giving us uh, milk on a daily basis? You know how you retail uh, in the olden times, people used to come and deliver milk to you. And so one of the gentlemen who asked for our milk was a grocery shop owner. And so the next step that we did was I said, yes, I can give you all your milk. And can I barter that for oil, tea, sugar, you know, those kind of things that we don't grow on the farm. And he was very happy to barter with me like that. And so wherever possible, what I've done is I've introduced the barter system. But for the people that who work with me on the farm, they require cash. Uh, and so for that, the dairy, the buffaloes that I have, the milk that I get from the buffaloes is used to pay them their salaries. The demand of women farmers, as we've stated before, has been to recognize existing vulnerabilities and create provisions within the laws that address these vulnerabilities. Vulnerabilities that do not allow them to access, for instance, um, social welfare schemes because they don't have access to land ownership. Vulnerabilities that don't allow them to negotiate um, the prices of their produce from a position of strength because they don't have free movement access or, for that matter, enough money to set up large storage facilities. I think that much like the debate which could get easily polarized between, you know, what is right and what is wrong and what is violent and what is nonviolent, it's important for us to take a step back and listen to what these women farmers are saying. Heed their point of view, which is simply give us the reforms that we need. Thank you for listening in. This is your host, Dhamini, signing off. You can reach me on Twitter at Dhamini or on HD Smartcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. To listen to more podcasts, log on to www.hdsmartcast.com. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports related conversations you will hear. 
Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burr, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.